Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of James? Uh, James chapter 5 is where we are for the sake of our guests. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we'll be concluding our study in the book of James, and it has been... um, It has been a study that has packed a punch, has it not? James doesn't mince his words. And in fact, as we near to the the last chapter now, he's not slowing down at all. In fact, he steps on the gas in a continual way. Today, our passage will help us. I, I pray that as it has helped me with perspective this week, I pray that it would help help us all to see reasons why you and I can be patient amidst life's challenging circumstances when we wait for the Lord. So let's, let's read together James 5, starting at verse 7. As I read, I remind us all that this is God's holy, perfect, inerrant word. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall, fall under condemnation. Dear Father, this morning we pray that you would attune our hearts to your word, that you would cause your truth to be ingrained deeply in our hearts. Lord, we, we need to read the word every day because we are so quick to forget its truth. And there is great truth in this passage for us today. And so I pray that you would change our hearts as it relates to our patience for your coming and our ability to walk in this world in patience because, Lord, you are faithful. That's why we can be patient. So help us to hear it and perceive it and be changed by it. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. When our kids uh, turned nine years old, I, I have no idea why we chose that particular birthday, but we did. We chose on their ninth birthday to take them um, one-on-one away for a weekend or a weekend-like getaway. So, so first uh, Julie with Elizabeth, then me with Ethan. When they turned nine, we would take them away. And this was, this was a great time to be together for us as as a, a dad with his son, a mother with her daughter. And uh, the purpose was, number one, to have fun together, and number two, to give each of our kids a leather-bound journal. Um, this leather-bound journal was given to them for the exclusive privilege, or purpose excuse me, of recording the things of God. 
recording how God was speaking and moving in their heart. And in particular, as they began to read their Bible day by day, we asked them to answer two, just two simple questions for any passage that they would happen to read. Question number one is, what does this passage reveal to us about God? What does this passage reveal to us about God? And then question number two is, what are we to do in response? What, what is our response to what this passage reveals to us about God? And so we began for each of them, uh, Lord willing, a course of reading their Bibles with that in view. And that's how I want us all, I, I want my, my own heart to, to think about this passage that's before us this morning. I was recently reminded of this principle in a sermon that I heard by theologian and pastor Mike Bullmore. I was helped by this message as he shared in every passage as we read the Word of God, let us be like detectives. We're on the hunt for those things that matter to God. In every passage, we pay attention to what it reveals about God's character. We pay attention to uh, what, what it tells us that's important to God. And in, in paying attention to those things, we learn more and more of what God is like to discern what is important to Him. So that's what we're going to do this morning. What does this passage reveal to us about God Himself, about His character? And then what's, what's an appropriate response to what we learn about God's character. This, this passage, I don't believe, it's not a, a kind of message where James is saying, come on, church, like, be patient. Just clench your teeth and, and be patient. He's saying, no, let us, let us consider the character of God. Let us consider what He's like. And in view of the faithfulness of God, that will enable us, not with clenched teeth to be patient, that will enable us to with faith and joy and hope, that will enable us to be, to be patient. Because we're seeing that God does what he says. That God is faithful to his promise. And because God is faithful to his promise, I can relax. I can be patient. I can trust the Lord in what he's doing. Even, even if I might not be able to see all that he's doing. I can trust him. I can be patient. Because I know that he's always at work. So if I were to boil down um, the, the overall point of this passage into one, uh, one phrase, one sentence, I would say it this way. In light of God's faithfulness, in view of who he is, in light of God's faithfulness, we can patiently trust him as we await his return. In view, in light of God's faithfulness, we can patiently trust him as we await his return. We see that right away in, in the beginning. So we see that we can, we can be patient as we wait for the Lord. Look with me at verses 7 and 8. James says it, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So in these, in these two verses alone, James uses some form of the word patience three times. Clearly, 
as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are called to a life of patience. Yet the motivation here is so important. The motivation for our patience in our day-to-day lives and as we wait for the return of the Lord, it, it hangs on the faithfulness of God to fulfill the promises that he's made. When Jesus walked among us, when he walked on earth, he promised that he would one day return to the earth in glory and in great splendor. Jesus had promised his disciples in the upper room right before he was crucified. He said, I'm I'm going to prepare a place for you and and I'm going to make it ready and I'm, I'm going to come again and bring you to myself that where I am there you may be also. He promised that he would return. The king of all kings would someday return. Jesus promised it to his disciples. The, the New Testament is full of these promises of the return of the Lord. And James would have been aware, uh, for example, that when Jesus ascended back into heaven after he was resurrected, he would have been aware of what the angels said to those who are gathered around. They said this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven... Notice what it says. It may not, he may come back. No, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And James, very skillfully, in the pastor that he is, as he writes with a heart of love for his church and the people to whom he's writing. Again, these are people who have been dispersed from their homes. They're the diaspora. They have, their world has been turned upside down. Their circumstances are not what they would have preferred. They did not enjoy being forced out of their homes and forced into different lands. So it's understandable that these dear people were eager for the return of the Lord. And what he's doing in reminding them of the return of the Lord is saying, listen, God is faithful. He is going to return. Therefore, you can be patient because he does what he says he's going to do. You can be patient because God is faithful. The return of the king is is coming. It's at hand. We don't know when it is. In fact, Jesus himself doesn't know the day or the hour when he's coming back. But we know this. It will be bodily. It will be visible. It will be universal. And it will be glorious when he returns. Amen. We cannot wait for that day. When Christ returns in glory, he came as a babe in the manger and his return will be in glory. He returns as the king. He returns as the judge. And we would do well to be reminded of that fact and that reality as we live and as we proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ to our neighbors in our neighborhoods, to the people who live across the street from us, to the cubicle next to us at work, to those who are all around us, we do well to remember that Jesus is returning not just as king, but also as judge as we proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ to them in our lives. See, we were created. We were created for another place. God has set, what, eternity in our hearts and, and what we experience in the here and now, you know this, I don't have to 
I don't have to press this point. This is not what God had intended for us. God's intention would that we would flourish under His loving rule. It would be that we would have fellowship with Him. It would be that we would walk with God. Can you imagine taking a walk with God? The other night on Friday night, I, I, I just... <laughs> You've probably heard me say this before. My kids leaving the house over time, it's difficult for me. Friday night was difficult for me. I still got two kids at home. What am I crying about? I don't know. But it's difficult for me. And I just, I don't know if, I just sank into a, I don't know, few hours of despair. And I just needed to walk. Julie was, was occupied otherwise and and I just said, I, I just need to go out and walk. It was like 9.30 at night. I was hoping my neighbors didn't think that there's some crazy guy walking in the neighborhood. But what I was doing was walking in the dark, looking up and saying, Lord, I need you. Spirit of God, fill me afresh with yourself because I'm losing perspective. And when I came back in the door, I was a different person. Because God was with me. We were created to walk with the Lord. All the sin and all the junk that sin has brought with it, it distracts us. It pulls us away from what we were created for. We were created to dwell with God. And one day, He's going to come back. And we'll be with Him. For all time, every tear, gone. Every sorrow, non-existent. Every Friday night like I had on Friday night, it won't exist anymore because we will finally and forever be with the Lord. And we are created to long for that as Christians. When Christ gives us a new life, when we are born again, we have a new set of uh, desires. We have a new, we have a new goal and it's not here and it's not now and it's not our bank accounts and it's not whatever. It is to be with the Lord. And so we eagerly wait for that day, don't we? And the reason that we can patiently, and I think this is the message this morning, dear friends, in the midst of the challenges that we experience, in the midst of the conflicts that sin brings to us, we can patiently endure and wait because God is faithful to his promise. Think about it this way. If we didn't have confidence that God was faithful to do what he says he will do, would we have the ability to be patient as we wait for him? We would not. Because we wouldn't know if God's actually going to fulfill what he said he would do. We wouldn't know that Jesus would absolutely come back to take us to be with himself. That where he is there we may be also. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't have confidence and therefore we would be anxious. I just wonder if that's what's going on in this passage with these dear beloved people. They're getting anxious 
They're waiting for the Lord, but they're getting anxious. And James writes to them under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and says, don't be anxious, be patient. The return of the Lord is at hand. God will fulfill his promise. And therefore, because God is faithful, you can walk in patience today. We can endure, we can walk the road that God calls us to walk while we eagerly long for that day when we'll be with him because he is faithful, church. Dearly beloved, we are, we are here this morning to rehearse these same truths that God is faithful and he will do what he promised to do and therefore we can hold on, can't we? We can take the next step. We can face tomorrow because we know who's in charge of tomorrow. It's the Lord. And he's got good in store, even if that good comes to us in forms that we don't exactly like. Even when that good comes to us and takes the shape of something that we think is the absence of God, but actually is the hand of God. Dear friends, I believe the Lord wants to build faith in our hearts for the challenges and the difficulties that we're experiencing that that we can hang on. We can trust Him. We can keep our faith because He's faithful to His promises. The coming of the Lord, oh, it's at hand. Establish your hearts in that truth. And James holds out that hope for us today as we hang on to the faithfulness of the Lord. We see that we can be patient as we wait for the Lord. Secondly, we see that we can be patient as we love one another. Look with me at verse 9. James says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, we had a whole sermon about this a few weeks back uh, as James brought this very thing up when he was talking about don't judge one another. And so um, I won't re-preach that sermon here, but I simply will say, in short, James is saying this, that to grumble against your brother or your sister in the church is to forget the faithfulness of the Lord. That's what he's saying. To grumble against those maybe in your family, uh, maybe in your care group, maybe playing on the worship team with you, to grumble against another is to forget that the Lord is at work. That's what grumbling does. Grumbling doesn't, isn't just that. It is making a declaration to God saying, Lord, you, you don't know what you're doing evidently. You, you should have given me a better friend. You should have given me a, a better coworker in church. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grumble because I don't like the way they're treating me or I don't like the way they're, they're living their lives. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grumble and I'm going to cast that grumble against you, Lord. That's part of what grumbling is, which is why, by the way, which is why God takes our grumbling so seriously. You know what grumbling does in the church? Grumbling disunifies the very body that Jesus came to die for. That's what grumbling against one another in the body does. 
God has purposed that we be united in Him. And He, he rallies us together around the cross and there's His people. And then His people from time to time grumble against one another. And what does that do? It disunifies that which God brought together at the cost of His own Son. Grumbling's serious. Grumbling is really important. To pay attention to your heart that we might not be guilty of seeking to work against and disunify that which cost Christ his own blood. So so again it's it's really important to check our hearts here. It's it's important to to make sure that our our hearts are not yielding to what may commonly come to our mind when we encounter the difficulties or the challenges of one another. And brother and sister, you know what? We're going to regularly encounter those. Uh, I, I know you know that because you encounter my challenges and my difficulties uh, as I encounter yours. And we will have these things. How we respond to them is so important. And to grumble is to forget the Lord. What do I, what do I mean by that? It means that we've forgotten the way God has treated us. It's, it's to forget that, that we're under construction just like our brother and our sister is under construction. And, and so the Lord wants us to be reminded this morning that to grumble is to forget about how merciful and how gracious He's been to us. Because when I remember, when I remember how God has treated me, it shapes a whole different way that I respond to someone who is causing me difficulty. It causes my heart to say, Lord, if you would be gracious towards someone like me, if you would be patient with someone as stubborn as me, Lord, I can be patient toward my brother and my sister because you've been so patient with me. You see, when we grumble, we're forgetting the gospel. When we grumble, we're forgetting about the Lord's work. We, when we're grumbling, we're forgetting about the promise that God makes, not just toward us, but toward all people, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. In fact, Paul says that in Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And when we grumble, dear friends, we are forgetting that promise. We're forgetting that God, that's right, God has promised to work in them just as God has promised to work in us. And Lord, you're faithful. You're always accomplishing your work. And so Lord, help me to remember that. Now, let me just take a moment and speak to parents just for a moment. Because I think as parents, we can, we can be um, very aware of the room for growth that exists in our children, right? Is that a good way to say it? We can be very aware of the growth opportunities that our kids can have. In fact, sometimes we can be far more aware of where we'd like to see them grow than we, than we might be aware of their graces. And I want to first say to myself and to all of us as parents, may our children know. May our children know how much we love them and we see God at work in them. And may they hear that regularly so that when we do actually have to bring a word perhaps of correction, a word of adjustment, that they may hear it through the lens of a mother and a father who, who regularly seek to cast their eyes to the Lord. 
But, but I just want to ask you, mom, dad, are you communicating with your son or your daughter that affection? Are you communicating? And I'm just not talking about being nice here. I'm actually saying, can you point out evidences of grace that you see in your children? Can you say, son, you know, when you take out the trash without being asked and you do it joyfully, I just want you to know that's God's work in you because that's not the common way that we think about menial chores like the trash. And so thanks for being responsive to God and honoring your mother and father by, by doing something that, that's menial. I see God at work in you. Daughter, when, you, when you're, you're a really caring friend and you, when you come alongside people like you do, you know, I, just, I see compassion in you. I see the Lord in you. Jesus was a man of compassion. And, and you're exhibiting compassion by, by caring about your friends in the way that you do. And I, I just want to say to you, I see the Lord at work in you. Uh, keep being compassionate and, and encouraging other people. That's God's work. Parents, as we do that, can you imagine that the more that we do that, those times when we do have to correct, I wonder if they may be all the more effective because we've been calling to their mind regularly the way that we see God at work so that they might be able to receive those times of correction or adjustment in a different way. See, the principle remains true not just for fathers and mothers and children. The principle remains true in the church, dear friends. Because when we in our care groups, as we meet house to house, as you arrive at care group on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday of this week, as you, as you come in there and as you seek to encourage one another, you know what, this, this is a, a community of encouragement. We are seeking to evidence or shed the light of how, how God's work is at work in one another. And so that we're, we're a community that's building up regularly. We're, we're sharing, hey, brother, sister, I don't know if you know this, but, but I just see God at work in you in this way. I see the Lord in you, sister. He's doing it. Hang in there. Hang in there. God is doing a good work. Because God works in ways that often we can't perceive, right? When we look back, we can see his work later. But often in the moment, we can't see how God is working. And we need the body to come around us to encourage us, to help us to see what we can't perceive. And so, you know, church, let, let's, let's be the kind of people that continue to show forth the grace of God. By sharing with brothers and sisters how we see the Lord at work in them. So that we can be mutually encouraged. You don't know, dear friends, you don't know how much that one encouraging word that you offer to someone, maybe today. You don't know how that one encouraging word can carry them an amazing distance. Share one other personal illustration of this. You know that for years we've uh, had some challenges with Micah's health. And um, as I 
am so grateful for each of you, beloved, and, and your care for us and your prayer for us. There have been um, times where the Lord has just so clearly sustained us by your prayer and your counsel and your help. And Julie and I are so deeply indebted to you for the rest of our lives for how you've cared for us. Um, but one particular instance stands in my mind um, as, as, again, one of those times when a discouragement just, just landed uh, within our household. And, and a, brother, um, a brother just said to me, Jeremy, you don't know what the Lord is accomplishing in the midst of these things. You don't know it. And so you can lift your head to the Lord because if he loved you enough to send Christ for you, then he's going to love you and your son and your family through the midst of the dark valleys. And that's it. No sermon, just, he just exhorted me. And I lived on that for weeks. The encouragement that we can be to one another is profound. And when we grumble against one another, it's the opposite of God's intention for us as a body. And I believe that, that you, like me, even now, we just, we're under conviction of the Lord. Yeah, I, I don't ever want to use my words to grumble against my brother or my sister. I want to use my words to be an encouragement to you, to strengthen, to build up. That's what God's calling us through this passage. And why can we do that? Because God never quits on us. He's always accomplishing his purposes. Now let me go back to the parents just for one more second. You, as you raise your kid in your home, you have no idea where they're headed, right? (laughs) Often we wonder, I I have no idea where they're going. Lord, help us to have faith and vision for that. Well, you know, parents in this room who are older, whose, whose children have left and they are now serving the Lord and, and walking with Him. or do You have no idea where the Lord is taking your children. And so you have two choices with the future. You can fret and worry and fear, or you can say, Lord, you gave me this child. I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to seek to encourage them in the Lord. And I'm going to trust them to you that even though there are things going on right now in their lives that, that I don't, I don't particularly enjoy. I don't think that's the best. I know that you're always at work and that you never give up on us and that you will do what my words cannot do. And isn't it true? We, we entrust our kids to the Lord and we pray for them and we say, Lord, would you carry them along? Would you, would you do what I can't do? The Lord's calling us to trust him because he is faithful. We can trust Him as we interact with one another and find our flaws. We can trust Him as we think about our children. Finally, we can trust Him because uh, He is faithful, especially in times of difficulty and in trial. Look at verse 10 and 11. He says it very clearly here. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Lord gives us the ability to be patient, to remain steadfast, even in times of great difficulty or great trial. See, he uses the prophets as an illustration. They were blessed 
indeed to be called upon by God to deliver a message to God's people. However, sometimes those messages were pretty difficult for God's people to swallow. Um, let me recount just a few um, and their experience. Did you remember Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah? What happened to him as he was speaking the word of the Lord? Jeremiah was run out of town by the people in his very hometown. Remember that saying, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Jeremiah was run out of town by his hometown folk because they were tired of him speaking in the name of the Lord. Ezekiel, consider his suffering as he delivered God's words. Daniel experienced hardship simply as a result of faithfully praying to the Lord. He wants us to see the example, the steadfast example of the prophets because how could they endure in the midst of the hardships that that came to them? It wasn't because, here's what it wasn't, it wasn't because those prophets were somehow superhuman and super spiritual. That's not true. They were people just like us. The reason the prophets could endure great difficulty, great times of persecution is because they had a great and faithful God. And because God, through their difficulties, put their eyes on Christ. That's what he does. He uses difficulties. He purposes difficulties for us that we might be refined, that we might be shaped to him. You know what difficulty does for me? It kind of, I'm, I am so easily distracted, dear friends. Um, I, I have, I have what I call a popcorn brain. Like it, 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 it's just like going off. What, what trials do to me is it, it gets my face and God's like, let me, let me hold your face and hold your face and look at me. Stop looking around. Look at me. That's what trials do for me. And I believe that's God's intention for us in trial to, to allow that pain and that difficulty to grab our attention and realize where our true hope lies. That's what it does. That's what it did for the prophets and that's what it does for us as well. See, God's faithfulness enables us to persevere as well. Let me bring this a little closer to home for us. We will be called, dear friends, to suffer at times. Uh, sometimes the, the suffering will be physical. Sometimes it will be emotional. Other things, um, our reputations will suffer in our culture. We will be called names. We will be sought to be silenced and canceled as we humbly proclaim the loving word of the good gospel, which proclaims that Jesus Christ is the only hope in the world. We will be called bigoted, and narrow-minded to think that of all of the spiritual characters in the world, that only one is the way, the truth, and the life. We will encounter heat for standing up for the gospel and, and lovingly and humbly sharing the gospel. We will, uh, we will experience degrees of scorn and shame as we hold forth the truth of what biblical marriage is as we walk through this season of gender confusion, as we hold forward that a person is a person who is made in the image of God by His grace and by His design and for His glory, as we hold fast to that, people will think we're from another planet 
because the world has changed so much. Degrees of scorn and shame will come. How do we hold fast in the midst of those storms? We hold fast because we have a God who's faithful to us. We hold fast because just like the prophets who held on to God when they were getting run out of their own hometown as they held fast to God, so we can encounter the faithfulness of God. Let me illustrate this from one life here, uh, the life of Paul. just want to slow down the story just for a second, enough to help us to actually think about Paul's life. We know that Saul was a persecutor of the church. He looked on as with approval as people, faithful Christians, were being stoned and murdered. And then the Damascus Road experience where God exposed his great love for Paul. And Paul met Christ in a powerful way and was changed, as was his name. So now he was, he was converted from Saul to Paul. Think about Paul's life. He was preaching the gospel. He was traveling all the time. And lest we think that this was from Hilton to Hilton, travel in those days were difficult, was difficult. It was, it was not fun. It was, it was something of necessity. It wasn't like it was enjoyable. He didn't fly first class. Paul gave his life for the proclamation of the gospel and for the planting of new churches. I I didn't even write down all of the things that happened to Paul, but just think about a few of these things. Paul was shipwrecked. I've never been on a boat that went down in the middle of the sea. He was shipwrecked. He was regularly imprisoned. When he was writing Philippians, he was in jail for years. It wasn't like a weekend. It was a long time. He was beaten repeatedly for his faith. He was chased out of town on numerous occasions. He wasn't sinning, and these were like the consequences of his sin. He was simply proclaiming the hope of the gospel. And you might think, I've said this before, you might think that because Paul wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else and and seemed to have been used by God in profound ways, you might think that Paul's strife would have been lessened by the Lord because he was serving the Lord so faithfully. In fact, he had a what, what we think is a, a physical malady. Remember, a, a thorn in his side. Something that, that just was difficult for him to handle. And, and he pled with the Lord three times, Lord, would you, would you please heal this? Would you please take this away? And God, remember God's response. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you find that you have weakness this morning? Do you find yourself growing weary of a certain situation? It could be a physical malady. It could be something else. The Lord this morning says to us that his power is made perfect in our weakness because our weakness puts our eyes on where our strength lies. Our weakness has a way of channeling our hope into one direction. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. The reason that you and I can be patient as we wait for the Lord, the reason that you and I 
can be hopeful toward our brother and sister in the Lord with whom we may have challenged. The reason why you and I can be steadfast in the moments when we are persecuted because of our faith, the reason we can is because the Lord is faithful. The Lord always does what he promises and he always will supply what we need. Our good friend Charles Spurgeon says it this way, each day, though it brings its trouble, shall bring its helps also. And though your needs should be as many as the sands on the seashore, yet shall God's grace and mercy last through all your necessities, and you shall never know a real lack. The promise this morning is that the Lord is going to be faithful to you as he will be faithful to me. And there may be things that would be icing on the cake, but in fact, God says, I will be with you. You will never lack, truly. I will be your supply. God is, God is the one who's going to equip us to face whatever he's got around the corner, whether a great and glorious thing or a challenge that we may not be able to anticipate, God is the one who promises to be with us. And James is reminding these dear people who are living away from their homes, who have been cast out. He's saying, dear friends, you have hope. Why? Because the Lord is compassionate and merciful. That's what he says at verse 11. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, meaning the Lord remembers you. He knows you. He knows the very things on your hearts this morning. He is compassionate. He is merciful. And he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. God is accomplishing, dear friends, he is accomplishing his purposes in your life right now even if you can't see it. And he is accomplishing his purpose for his glory and for your good. Our friend John Piper, God is not just showing up after the trouble and cleaning it up. He's not an ER doctor. He is plotting the course and managing the troubles with far-reaching purposes for our good. And for the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? That God is accomplishing his far-reaching purposes in your life right now for his glory and for your good. Do you believe that? See, it takes faith to believe that. And the Lord this morning wants to encourage our faith and strengthen our faith and encourage us that He is at work, dear friend. In your son or your daughter, He's at work. In your mother or your father, He's at work. In your coworker, your neighbor, He's at work. As you reach out, He's at work. He's accomplishing His purposes. And nothing can thwart the great purposes of God. He's at work, dear friends. God is accomplishing His purposes in our lives 
So let us have faith this morning. Let us be strengthened this morning. Let us cast our gaze to the Lord this morning because he is at work. Amen. Are you with me? Is he at work this morning? He's doing something. You may not be able to see it. He is working his purposes in our lives for his glory and for our good. And God wants us to trust him this morning. So let me with that call the worship team out uh, to join me on the stage as we prepare to, to sing and rehearse these great faithfulnesses of God while I remind us again, the main point of what we're talking about here this morning of God's Word is in light of God's faithfulness, we can patiently, you can patiently trust Him while we eagerly await His return. The Lord is coming back. The Lord's return is close at hand. The Lord will be gathering us to himself one day soon. And while we wait eagerly and patiently, let us cast our gaze to the faithfulness of our God who is constantly at work, constantly accomplishing his purposes and giving us the ability to endure with patience and grace. He's doing a good work. He's at work this morning through the pain, through the difficulty, through all the things you're experiencing. God is at work. Let us trust him because he is worthy of our trust. Would you stand now with me as we pray? Dear Father, we know this morning we know this morning that you are faithful because you sent your Son Jesus Christ to the cross to die in our place to take the punishment that we deserve so that by his death we could go free. And if you would love us, eternally love us that much we know that you're also going to be faithful to your promise to never leave us, never forsake us, never turn your back on us. Therefore, we can be patient as we wait. We can speak about our brother or sister with encouragement and joy. We can even endure under difficult circumstances because you are faithful. Dear church, I, I also in this moment with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I believe it may please the Lord if there would be a, a situation in your life that you are struggling in which to trust Him. That an appropriate response when we see the character and goodness of God, an appropriate response is now just to cast that situation to your Lord who is the one who's intended to carry it so that we can be refreshed and renewed in faith that God is going to help us and He's going to give us grace. So we're going to have a moment here of quiet. If the Lord brings a way in which you're 
your anxieties are at work and you're not trusting the Lord or you want to trust the Lord more, just just cast your care to Him this morning. Pray silently and, and cast it to the Lord that you may rest in His faithfulness. we bring the the cares and the worries and the anxieties and the concerns that we we carry around in a bag like a knapsack and we carry it on our shoulders and it seems to, to follow us to bed at night and when we wake up in the morning it seems to be there again and and we collectively and individually now we just cast our cares to you who are faithful We pray that you would grant us fresh hope and fresh faith because you're faithful to help us in every situation. So Lord, we now just express to you our faith and our trust by casting those cares to you now. Entrusting them to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who will help us in this day and who will one day return and cast all of these concerns away for all time. So, Lord, we look forward to that day even as we cast to you our cares and concerns on this day. Lord, we rejoice. You are faithful. You have promised. And you will surely do it. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And everyone together said...